In this week's In-Ear Insights, let's talk about adding to your marketing tech stack. So your MarTech stack is the collection of tools, software, services, things like that, that power your marketing. And lots of companies have lots of technology, but not lots of companies have good governance around it. In fact, even though the CMO spends more on technology services than the CIO does, the marketing function when it comes to technology tends to be a little disorganized. And as a result, companies can uh, end up spending a lot more and having uh, lesser results from their marketing tech than they do the regular IT. In fact, a few years ago, Katie, you and I were working on a client where they had and were, had purchased three different instances of Salesforce that were not connected together and were conflicting with each other. And they lost like they, they a billion and a half dollars of pipeline was missing. So we're talking about changing up our own tech stack here at Trust Insights. So Katie, you said you have some questions. <laughs> what kinds of questions have you got? Well, before I get into the specifics, you know, I think that one of the things that a lot of companies, you know, and, you know, I include us in this conversation, uh, can potentially do wrong is just stacking, literally stacking more tools on top of the stack. And so hmm. you get all of these layers of tools. And then within them, you're like, I don't know what does, you know, what does what. So in this instance, we are talking about uh, changing our email newsletter provider to an, a different piece of tech from our existing piece of tech. And my question to you was, well, do we keep, do we retain the old tech? And you said, yes. So of course, now in my brain, let me sort of put this into more specifics. So we're using HubSpot as our CRM. We're using Modic as our marketing automation and email software. And now we want to add another piece of software on top of those two, which would be Substack for our newsletter. So my brain starts to draw this convoluted map of, well, the contacts get into HubSpot and then we have to get them into Modic. And now we have to get them into Substack. And how do we make sure that all three systems are talking to each other? Because when someone unsubscribes, they unsubscribe through HubSpot, not through Modic. So now how do we make sure that Substack has all of that information? Like my brain starts ping-ponging around to these three systems. And so does adding another piece of tech make it harder or easier for you to run your business? Well, I guess the place to start would be as a marketing technologist, I need to dramatically streamline the performance of our email marketing software so that I'm not spending three to five hours a month maintaining our software. That's, that's not a good use of time. It's not a good use of my time. And there are plenty of solutions out there like Substack that will do that. So that's from, from that was sort of what started this whole thing off was uh, looking at the amount of time I spend maintaining that system for email marketing specifically and going, this is not a good use of time, um, particularly around managing stuff like unsubscribes and things. It's just not a good use of time. Secondarily, as a marketer, I want to promote our email newsletter in a place where other people are reading emails so that I can accelerate the growth of our list. One of the key things that Substack does that our current system does not do is that Substack is also a social network for email newsletters. It encourages other people to find you, to subscribe to you, to, and, and to organically grow your list. In fact, um, 
I also run the Substack for a few other things like my lunchtime pandemic newsletter. And 25% of the subscribers to that newsletter come from the Substack app just organically recommending it. And I'm like, this is stupid to not take advantage of free audience uh, from this platform. So those are the two user stories that really motivated me to say, Look, this is something I want to do. It was not just a, a whim. This was something that, you know, thinking about, for example, the purpose, the people, the process, the platform, and the performance. The For us, that purpose really is efficiency of marketing, but also better performance of marketing. Is it more efficient when you now have three different places that you have to manage your contacts? That's a very good question. The answer is maybe, and it depends. <laughs> and the, the specific answer is it depends if there's uh, any kind of glue that needs to be in place and how does that glue work for the volume of business we do we could get away with a a 20 dollars a month paid zapier account to just to, to sync up those three databases to keep them um you know sort of glued together and in line with each other modic does have a built-in integration with hubspot so that integration is already working Substack mm -hmm. does not have integrations with CRMs, so we would need to use Zapier to glue that together. And then if Zap, if if Modic talks to HubSpot, HubSpot and Modic, I mean, sorry, if, if Substack talks to HubSpot, Modic and, and HubSpot already talk to each other, so we don't need an integration for that. So it's it's just syncing up Substack's unsubscribes with HubSpot's. I would imagine that part of the process needs to be QA to make sure that those you're calling them glue, but basically they are API connections between uh, the different databases. How do you check that? How do you know that the data that's in HubSpot is the same as the data that's in Modic is the same that's the data in Substack? One of the easiest ways to do that is to do a manual export. In this case, of the do not contacts from each system. They mm -hmm. should be identical lists. If they're not identical lists, I mean, you can do that in Excel. Uh, if they're right. not identical lists, then you know something's not working. The other way to do that is set up a dummy profile, for example, in HubSpot, like, you know, don't email me at gmail.com. And, and that's your your contact in HubSpot. And then see if after the synchronization stuff runs for 24 hours, whatever, if, it's, if that is not in Substack as like, hey, don't email this person, then you know that the integration did not work. Now... It sounds like Substack is going to become, you know, its own separate database if I'm if I'm following all of this correctly. And so typically we've been using HubSpot as our primary database for all of our prospects and contacts. And so now if I'm if I'm finding the uh, Inbox Insights newsletter, but I'm not subscribed and I subscribe to Inbox Insights, do I go into Substack or do I go into HubSpot? You initially go into Substack, and then our uh, one of the, our tasks is to do the Zapier integration to say, okay, if you show up in Substack, should you? Well, so this is a this is a this goes in the process P of of uh, the five P's. Mm -hmm. Should that email go into HubSpot? Is the big question. Is because and and this is a B two B marketing thing. Mm -hmm. Just because someone signs up for your newsletter does not mean they're a buyer. Right? Mm -hmm. it absolutely does not mean that you should be calling them immediately saying, hey, buy our stuff, right? No one likes And them. yet they um, do. And yet they do. And so a valid question then for us is from a process perspective, should that be the case that 
HubSpot is the central system of record for everyone we have access to? Or should HubSpot be the place where only the place where people who have demonstrated actual intent to buy? Should, they, should that be what it's for? So what is the purpose of HubSpot is actually the question. Mm -hmm. And so I think if while I don't love the idea of having three separate databases, I would love to rather have segmentation in one database. Um, I do think it's an opportunity to redefine the reason for using each individual piece of technology and the data that exists within it. But again, that's an exercise that as you're adding a new piece of tech to your stack, you really need to be going through. It's not enough to just say, all right, we've outgrown this marketing automation tool. So let's just add Substack and like, it's the end of the day. Because, you know, we're a small company. And so we know where all of our data lives. But if you're a larger organization, or even an organization that's just been around for a long time, there's likely other places where you have, you know, customer, potential customer, prospect, contact data, um, you may have switched CRMs at one point. This may not be your first time switching marketing automation software. And so do you have a handle on where all of that data lives? And that's where you go back to the five Ps to make sure you know, okay, at one point we were using constant contact and then we decided, you know, uh, survey monkey. And then we decided this and then we decided that. And then we just went back to Excel. Do you know where all of those pieces live and has all of that data been properly moved securely into where whatever the system is that you're currently using because that's one of the risks with adding more tech is forgetting about the legacy pieces and that's for systems you have control over i mean that right. process is even more important we ran into this last week actually um trying to get demographic data and you wanted to get data out of universal analytics the former version right. of, of google analytics and you know ga4 has uh, its own data and you wanted to go back further than ga4 went back but not mm -hmm. far enough that uh universal analytics ran out of coverage and so right. even in that case there's no way for us to within the tool sew those data sets together, nor can you because they're different, sc differently scoped. So right. even that's an instance where you need that governance to say, here is where the all this data lives and almost like a flow chart, like I'm looking for data from the founding of Trust Insights. Okay, well, then you got to go to Universal Analytics because that lives mm -hmm. there. And I think that that's a really interesting exercise because you know, when we talk about data governance, a big part of data governance isn't just keeping your data secure, it's knowing where the heck it lives. And so if someone has a question, they you need to be able to say, okay, your question is about data prior to July 1st, 2023. Let me get it from this system versus your date, your question about data is from September of this year. Let me get it from this system. And of course, the question of like, oh, can I do year over year? You need also need to be able to answer that question. And right now the answer is no, you can't do that um, because of the different systems. And that's, you know, that goes back to the five P's. And so when we're talking about different pieces of tech, so let's say, you know, just hypothetically, Chris, let's say we say, all right, Substack is what we're going to do for our uh, email marketing newsletter. And then three months in, we're like, this isn't working. Let's find a different thing. So now we're adding yet another piece of tech, even though, 
you know, conversationally, we're like, okay, we're not going to use this one that we introduced. Let's just switch to this one over here. We still have to go through this process because Substack spent three months collecting data for us. We need to do something with that data and migrate it to Modic, migrate it to HubSpot, migrate it to the new, you know, email uh, tech. And so that in and of itself becomes yet another part of the process where we have to start over again with the five P's. And you're talking about something that a lot of people don't do and a lot of people don't do well. I don't do well, um, which is requirements gathering um, and yes. being clear up front. Here's why we're doing this thing. You know, for example, I'm also looking at moving the almost timely newsletter over to Substack. And there's a very specific requirement of that. And that is I'm running out of disk space on the server that I've got hosted on. Right? And it, it just consumes an inordinate amount of time to maintain a database that large as a quarter million people. <clears throat> um, so there's a very clear reason for that use case. We don't have the same level of urgency for the Trust Insights newsletter, for Inbox Insights, but there are other, those other considerations, the requirements, like reducing the amount of time spent with administration, having a mobile app for our newsletter, because the Substack app provides a mobile app for your newsletter, <clears throat> having um, good analytics, having referral features. So that is one that is important to me. I've always wanted to do, and there is a way to do it in Modic, but it's really, really, really a pain in the butt. Whereas in Substack, that promotional tool is so important. So for example, um, you can set tiers of referrals. So Katie, if you were on the Inbox Insights newsletter and you referred 25 new subscribers, you might get an exclusive PDF or you referred 100 subscribers, you might get a free 30 minute call with Trust Insights um, just, to, just to do some consultations. And so those referral rewards to me, again, that's a feature that is not built into the systems we currently have. But that requirements gathering is, is important to know, A, what are you getting? And mm -hmm. to your point, B, what are you giving up? Um, and C, what is the cost to, to make that change? The, 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 because that change cost is important. The other thing I wanted to go back to, which was what you were saying, is there should be somewhere in your organization, if you've got a lot of data, a, a chart that looks a little bit like this. Now, this one's for AI specifically. But on the, in the hideous orange column is, is sort of the purpose, what purpose you're trying to achieve. And in the blue column, is the platform so here's where you, you know if you want to do this you, you have to do this here if you want to do this you have to do this here so even for us like <laughs> i you if if you're not watching this on video uh i am struggling to read this because he wasn't kidding about the orange color i can't read the white text on the orange with the watermark behind it like i'm finding it very difficult <laughs> it's a good thing we have a design intern uh <laughs> <laughs> but that's why i'm making faces <laughs> exactly. But even just something as simple as a two column spreadsheet saying, here's where this data lives, right? Here's what it is. Here's where it lives <clears throat> would be a useful tool to have for your own governance. Like this is not a complicated system. This is just a, mm -hmm. a, a two column chart and having that kind of governance alone can help the transition when you need to make changes. Like, okay, when we're doing email marketing, now we're going to say, now you have to lock in the Substack as opposed to lock into Modic. So let me ask you the million dollar, and I do probably mean million dollar question. Uh, instead of having three tools, could we have one tool that does all of the things? You can. Yes, such a thing does exist. Um, HubSpot does that. You know, If you are willing to just repeatedly swipe the credit card over and over and over again, um, it, it's, it would approximately 5x our costs. Um, which so is why it was the million dollar question <laughs> exactly <laughs> hubspot 
has moved into the category away from small business into reassuringly expensive enterprise tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same is true. You know, you could do the same with Salesforce. You could take Salesforce, buy Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and 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 get all of these features. We are still not at a point where I feel like we will see a strong enough return on investment from that, uh, particularly when Substack is migrating. It, it, Substack's roadmap is to become a revenue generating publishing tool, and they take a slice of revenue you generate. So you would, could create a newsletter that would have free versions and then paid versions, and then then they make their money by taking us a, a 10% of the transaction fee for all the paid versions. And it's focused on creators, which means that for the way we do our content marketing, we are very much creator level marketing as opposed to like corporate business, right? We, we have the voice, and the tone and the tactics and strategies of creators. And so it's a good fit strategically for us right now. But to your point, you know, that could change in two years. Like, hey, we're not making enough money on on this. So we need to, to pivot. So that, that's something mm-hmm. we have to keep in mind and see if our five P's drift away from theirs over time. It, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, you're talking about how tools that historically had catered to small businesses, had free versions, are migrating away. And so that leaves a lot of, you know, uh, independent businesses, solopreneurs, you know, small companies sort of in the lurch of, you know, what do we do? There's a lot of tools out there. You know, we're just sort of picking on some of the... uh, bigger name ones, but there's a lot of tools out there that do a lot of what you need. And that goes back to making sure that you have done the five P's and your user stories to really understand what it is that you need. So, you know, if we go back in time, five and a half years, we didn't do this exercise when we chose HubSpot. We said, oh, hey, HubSpot, that does a thing. And so we didn't go through the exercise of saying, what is it that we need today? And what is it that we think we might need six months from now, 12 months from now, five years from now? Because we're at that five-year point. And what we need from HubSpot, you know, again, just sort of picking on them a little bit. We love HubSpot. We love all the people over there. Um, It's not doing what we need because we didn't do our work. It's not because HubSpot isn't doing it. It's because we, the users, didn't do the exercise, didn't do the requirements gathering to say, this is what we think we're going to need. This is what we need today. And so for a while, we were trying to fit our needs into a tool that wasn't the right tool. And that's not a unique problem to us. This happens to a lot of companies because they say, well, we already have five years worth of data in this. It's going to be a pain in the butt to migrate to something else. So let's see if we can just make it work versus going through a 5P exercise to say, forget the tool for a second. What is it that we actually need to run the business and then figure out which tools hit the mark, which tools are going to actually do the thing that we need and then put a plan together for data migration to make it, yeah, so that part is going to be painful, but it's short term, it's temporary. The longer term goal is that when you're looking at your tech stack, you're like, I have the right tools that do the right things versus I have a bunch of tools that I chose and now I'm trying to make them all work together. Yep. And if you do that audit, one of the things you'll probably find is you have at some point duplicate tools. You know, for example, we have Canva. 
we also mm -hmm. have Adobe Express because uh, two of us have Adobe uh, Creative Cloud subscriptions. So we have these two. And one of us doesn't. Are. <laughs> one of us doesn't. Um, that might change. Um, <laughs> and so you have these two tools. They're competing with each other on feature set. However, mm -hmm. um, this is an interesting quandary for Canva. The price for Canva is relatively close for businesses, relatively close to the price for Creative Cloud. You get Canva paid, which has a bunch of features, or you get the entire Adobe Creative Suite, including Adobe Express, for roughly about the same amount of money. So you get like 22 apps for the same price as one. So even in that case, you again, you have to pull out the five Ps and say, okay, in the processes and in, in the people, for someone like you, Katie, you might not get a ton of benefit from Adobe Audition or Adobe XD or Adobe InDesign, right? These are tools that you're probably not going to install. But if at some point you wanted to or they get so good that you have to, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's part of that requirements gathering and it's part of that performance. Like, did you do the thing? Uh, Adobe Premiere just released a whole new thing for us creators that does things like takes out awkward pauses in videos and takes out filler words. Um, and so I may actually try that with this episode of, of the show just to see what it, it looks like when it's done. But that's part of requirements gathering. And so when you do your MarTech stack audit, you may find, yeah, we have duplicate tools. Okay, now of these duplicate tools, which one should we, should we say, yeah, this is the one to keep and this is the one to let go? Um, I want to get to the sort of migration point of when you make those choices. But before that, I've seen versions of uh, videos that are edited when you take out the stop and it becomes very Max Hedrum because the edits are so choppy, jumpy. Yeah. jumpy. Yeah. And so I would say, you know, proceed with caution when using those tools, make sure it's you're getting the output that you want, because sure, it's nice that you're removing the us and hmm and so but there may be a good reason to leave those in because then all of a sudden your video is very jumpy uh, and very Blair Witch and makes the people watching it very nauseous. Um, but in the point of something like Adobe versus Canva, I can absolutely on paper see the value of you know switching from one system to the other. But, but then when I start to go through the requirements, well, we have, you know, templates that are built specifically for Canva. We have people who need to be trained. And so figuring out all of those costs associated with redoing templates so they're no longer appropriate for Canva, so that they're appropriate for Adobe instead. Getting whoever's going to use Adobe now, who's probably never used it before, getting trained up on that. What does that look like? What is the process? So there's, again, this goes back to adding new tech mm. to your stack there's training associated, there's cost besides just the subscription cost of migrating things from one system to the other. And, you know, Chris, to your point, when you have those duplicate tools, it's not just as simple as like, all right, great, we'll just shut that one off. You're not going to use that anymore. There's probably legacy information in there that you at least want to make sure that you're looking at to be like, do I need this? Or can I just recreate it here? But you want to go through that exercise first, because what you don't want to have happen is six months from now, you've shut down one system and someone goes, oh, hey, I need that thing. And you're like, great, we no longer have access to it. So good luck making that decision. If I could summarize everything we've talked about so far up to this point, it is requirements <laughs> gathering is the antidote to buyer's remorse. Yes, that is exactly it. And 
you know, we've talked about this before and I'll say it again. People hate doing requirements gathering because it's not that instant gratification. It's not the do it. Yeah. Chris is raising his hand. It's not the taking action part. It's the planning part. And you sort of have that split. There's two kinds of people. You have the people that are planners and that's me. And then you have the people who are impulsive doers. That's Chris. And if you are lucky enough to put those people together in a business, then you might stand a chance to make some good decisions. The problem <laughs> is, no, and this is, is going to be picking on me as well. The problem is if you have one or the other is that the planner tends to be very hesitant to make the decision, whereas the impulsive person makes a decision but doesn't have the plan. And so you need those two sides of the conversation to come together to make the decision and do the thing. Yep. Okay, so... Uh, in the few minutes we have left, let's talk about migration. What? Yeah. Assume that we've done the requirements. We're like, okay, Substack, we're going to go ahead. Mm -hmm. Now what? So we have to start going through the five Ps again. You know, what is the purpose of migrating the data? What is the purpose? You know, what do we want the end user experience to be? So, you know, is the delivery address for the email going to change because it's on a different system from Modic? to Substack? Do we need to let people know some sort of communication plan that we're changing so that they can whitelist us instead of just going to their spam folder? You know, there's a lot of different pieces. Think about it as starting a brand new email newsletter. What are the steps that you would have to go through? Even though you have a five-year-old existing newsletter, treat it like it's brand new. And some of the tasks you might be able to check off really quickly, like, okay, great, that's done, that's done, that's done. But there are things that you will need to do to let your end user know, because ultimately, that's the goal, is a really good, smooth end user experience. Yes, it saves us some production time, but there's no point in producing it if nobody's going to read it. Exactly. And so this is where process is going to be the biggest part. So everything mm -hmm. from doing your deliverability DNS stuff. We just had a client do switch their platform and they didn't switch their DNS and wonder of wonders, their entire mailing went to spam because whoops, they didn't do that part. Mm -hmm. uh, but even stuff as simple as porting the contents of your welcome page, your unsubscribe page, or about this newsletter page, those are all things that you need to think through that are part of the process. And if they're, in our case, it's a five-year-old list and a five-year-old newsletter, you may have to say like, hey, you know, this thank you page to sign up for the newsletter is really old and isn't us anymore. Let's let's change that. Mm -hmm. For bigger companies, you may have a people problem as well. The person who set up a lot of stuff may not even be at the company anymore. So now you have to say, okay, who are the people internally at our company that can 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 do this? And oh, by the way, we probably should write down how to set up this time <laughs> so that we're not going, hey, Bob left. <laughs> Whoops. Um, <laughs> because... I have a tendency to be very platform focused and say, okay, well, I can make the tools do this, but the obstacles are always the people in the process. Like even I'm going to be migrating the almost timely newsletter. There's a lot of process stuff that I probably shouldn't think through before I move a quarter million person list to a different service. You should. I don't know that you will, but you, you should, <laughs> but I'm happy to help if you decide that that's something that you want to do. And if, you know, you want to reach me at trustinsights.ai slash contact, Chris, you can fill out our form there and you can find <laughs> me and I will help you move your systems by helping you with the people in the process. 
Well, the people's pretty easy. The process is going to be the hard Ooh, part. I wouldn't say that the people on that side of the fence are easy. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. <laughs> yeah. And so stay tuned. Um, we may end up doing a live stream with one, maybe both of these mm -hmm. migrations, because I think it, there's a lot of parts that do need to happen that might be instructional for folks um, to do that. If you've done a migration like this, or you're thinking about doing a migration and you want to share your experiences, drop on into the free Slack group. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over 3,500 other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And wherever it is you watch or listen to the show, if there's a channel you'd rather have it on instead, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast, where you can find us on most services. And while you're there on the service of your choice, please leave us a rating and a review. It does help share the show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.